I know exactly that what that is, at least according to a chart that's been released. And I'll show you that here in a moment. And it's not good, ladies and gentlemen. It is not good. This is not a good situation. This has the potential to maybe spark some other contagion in the market. We don't know yet. Welcome to Gold Silver Pros. Searching for the best precious metals deal? Shop with our trusted partner, Arc Silver. Access special deals on silver, gold, and platinum through our website. Or call 307-264-9441. Hey everyone, this is your host, Rob Keats with GoldSilverPros.com. We're recording this on March 10th, 2023. We're going to have a special edition of the weekly market wrap-up because of a big event that happened in the economy, which I'll get to here in a moment. It's the biggest bank failure since the financial crisis in 2008. What we're going to do, since this is a special edition, is we're going to change the way in which we do it for this uh, week specifically, where we give you an update on the gold price. We're going to skip the normal readout of the market data, first of all, because there wasn't anything terribly interesting there, but because we think that the other subject we're going to cover is much more important. So we'll shortly go through that, and then we'll get into the bank failure. I think you guys will be interested in that. So far, the gold price, as we... Uh, Record this is 1867.30. That's at about 4.44 p.m. Central Time on March 10th, 2023. It's been up about $36 on the day. Silver is at 20.53 at 44 cents. The bond markets are seeing an increase in the interest rates a little bit. The Dow and the major U.S. stock markets are down because of the bank fair, which we'll get to, as well as the crypto uh, market is not doing too terribly well. Bitcoin is down. That was down earlier on other news, but it continues to trend down a little bit today. We'll follow Bitcoin, Ethereum, and, the, and those cryptocurrencies a little bit more next week to see how they react to this bank failure and other news. Going over the gold futures, we'll go ahead and start the share on the gold and silver. We'll do that very quickly. Here we are on the CME Group's website for gold and silver. This is gold, gold futures, volume and open interest. You can see a nice spike over the last three days in the futures market. Let's see what's going on. As you can see, there are about 28,000 contracts that have moved out of April into the June contract. The June contract is starting to gain momentum as the next uh, large trading month. Remember that the large trading month comes periodically throughout the year as people roll out of their futures positions now and into other ones. And remember, this is a futures position. So the current month is usually not the dominant month until you get there. Uh, it usually starts to build before them. So this is kind of normal behavior as we see. EFP, we see a major spike in the exchange for physical for gold, probably because of the systemic risk in the system. 1,784 EFP exchange for physical for gold in the April contract of 1,197 in the June contract exchange for physical for those who may not have been following the weekly market wraps first time here is where you take a COMEX contract based here in the U.S. for gold or silver, what we cover, and you uh, basically arbitrage it or trade it over to the London market. You exchange it. A lot of times it means you can actually get physical gold or you can do just price arbitrage between the two markets. According to CME Group, both can be done. So we don't know if this exchange for physical is for actual physical, but we do know that people are looking for exposure to that other market. Only 69 deliveries on the March contract. Now, while you can trade the futures contracts in any forward month that you want. Fiscal deliveries have to happen in the month in which they occur. 
And that's why, uh, because March was not a huge volume, or right now it's not a huge volume month. There's only 390 contracts open at the moment and open interest. You can't have a lot of deliveries there. And I think that's why with the risk rising in the system, they're starting to push forward some of that gold demand to April and June contracts and get an exchange for physical off of the London market. This data as is Thursday, as of yesterday, we look at Wednesday to see the trend and we have a massive 4,079 exchange for physical over to the London market for the April contract. If we go back to Tuesday data, we have a massive 4,453 4, exchange for physical London contract for April. You see a trend here. These are really good, solid numbers from what we currently see. And it looks like it started on that Monday data. So the beginning of this week, we had 2,635 contracts go over to London. So there have been a lot of contracts moving from the COMEX in the US over to London, either looking for the physical delivery of the metals, because this is not the biggest of the delivery months for gold during the year. There were some deliveries, but it's not the biggest. And so people are moving over to London to get that exposure, again, either for the physical or for price arbitrage because it's OTC market. It's uh, basically a paper fractional reserve market. So you may not get the physical, but you may get the price exposure. And with risk going up, that makes sense to get that price exposure in a different market. When we look at the, the early data on Friday for gold in terms of settlements, this page basically shows us the price. So this is early Friday data. It's not complete, but we did have an estimated volume on the April contract today of 335,729 contracts so far that will probably close a little bit higher after this is all said and done. They settled an average 1860.20, which is at 32 cents, uh, $32.60, I'm sorry, which makes sense in light of the bank failure. Let's see what happened to Thursday. This would be the full day's data for Thursday. We saw an increase in gold of $16. Uh, settling at an average 1834.60 price with an uh, estimated volume of 244,585 contracts. So you saw yesterday the gold price start to rise, and then today it rose even more given what's happened in the market. We're not going to look at the ETFs or that storage right now. It's not really pertinent to what we're going to talk about today. I'll resume that level of detail in next week's weekly market wrap up. But right now we have bigger fish to fry. So this is the last piece of the gold and silver report for this week's market, weekly market wrap up. You can see not a lot of spike in open interest in silver. Although there was a healthy amount, we saw more at the uh, end of February before March. And as we look at the dominant contract month for silver, looking at the open interest, 108,573 contracts on May. So May is the next dominant month for silver. And we see EFP 702 contracts and 51 deliveries off of March. Again, March was a decent delivery month this year. It's probably not going to be the biggest, but it was a decent one, but there's only 81 contracts left. So you can't get a lot of delivery here. So some of that may be going over to EFP or people may be sourcing that silver somewhere, that physical silver somewhere else. Um, you look at one th on uh, Thursday, say 1,009 contracts closed in the May, I'm sorry, 100,009 contracts went EFP over to London on the May contract. You can see right here. And then you had 109,238 open interest at close for that data. Let's move over to the settlement data. We'll go over here. The settlement screen on CME Group is where we get our pricing. So this is so far Friday, March 10th. This is not complete. That's as of 4.30 p.m. Central Time. So it's pretty close to what we got going right now. Only about 20 minutes old data. You can see that most of the settlements came again on the May contract. This is the estimated volume, 72.775 so far today, up 34 cents in silver to close or to land at 25.06, hasn't closed yet. And we go back to the Thursday data here. And in May, again, dominant contract month, 48,064 estimated, uh, closed for, up 14 cents yesterday, 2016. Makes sense with what's going on. All right, 
that's going to be it for the typical part of the weekly market wrap-up. Now we have a very special report. Silicon Valley Bank is shut down by regulators in the biggest bank failure since the global financial crisis. The FDIC said an announcement that insured depositors will have access to deposits no later than Monday morning. SVB's branch offices will reopen at that time under the control of the regulator. They've been put into receivership. The FDIC standard insurance covers up to $250,000 per deposit per bank for each account ownership category. We'll provide you more on that here in a moment. And as how many of these accounts may be reimbursable under the FDIC's uh, insurance scheme. For those not familiar in the banking system in the United States, the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, is an insurance fund for bank deposits that uh, or banks that may go bad and for depositors to get their money back. In other words, if the bank doesn't have the money to give you all your, your money back in the, in, from your account, the FDIC will typically step in and guarantee that up to $250,000. Over $250,000, there will be a certificate scheme in this particular case, which we'll go over in a moment. And I'll talk more about the FDIC's uh, solvency and how much of this they can handle before they run out of money. Because remember, it's an insurance fund. It's not one for one with deposits in the banking system. It has a much smaller war chest there to cover these. So we'll see if this is the only bank failure that the FDIC may be able to cover this, but it's going to significantly impact their insurance fund. And we'll have to see if any more bank failures come, which further challenge the FDIC's reserves for this type of situation. It says here on CNBC, financial regulators have closed Silicon Valley Bank and taken control of its, its uh, deposits. The Federal Deposit Insurance Court announced Friday and what is the largest U.S. bank failure since the global financial crisis more than a decade ago. The collapse of SVP, a key player in the tech and venture capital community, leaves companies and wealthy individuals largely unsure of what will happen to the money. According to press releases from regulators, the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation closed SVP and named the FDIC as a receiver. The FDIC has, turned, has created the Deposit Insurance National Bank of Santa Clara, which now holds the insured deposits from SVB. The FDIC said an announcement that insured depositors will have access to their deposits no later than Monday morning. According to press release, SB, SVP's official checks will continue to clear. As of the end of December, SVP had roughly $209 billion in total assets and $175.4 billion in total deposits. According to the press release, the FDIC said it was unclear what portion of these deposits were above the insurance limit. I know exactly that what that is at least according to a chart that's been released. And I'll show you that here in a moment. And it's not good, ladies and gentlemen. It is not good. This is not a good situation. This has the potential to maybe spark some other contagion in the market. We don't know yet. And I'll get into why this particular bank, I think, is having issues. And we'll, we'll talk about the potential for whether or not this could spread to the rest of the economy. Here's how the second biggest bank and collapse in U.S. history happened in just 48 hours, according to CNBC. The company's downward spiral began late Wednesday when it surprised investors with news that it needed to raise $2.25 billion to shore up its balance sheet. This was a hysteria-induced bank run caused by VCs, Ryan Falvey, a fintech investor of Rest of Ventures, told CNBC. Now those who remain with SVB face an uncertain timeline for retrieving their money. On Wednesday, Silicon Valley Bank was a well-capitalized institution seeking to raise some capital. Within 48 hours, a panic induced by the very venture capital community that SVB had served and nurtured ended the bank's 40-year run. Regulators shuttered SVB Friday and seized its deposit in the largest U.S. banking failure since the 2008 financial crisis and the second largest ever. The company's downward spiral began Wednesday when it surprised investors it needed to raise $2.25 billion to shore up its balance sheet. What followed was a rapid collapse of a highly respected bank that had grown along its technology clients. Even now, as the dust begins to settle on the second bank wind down announced this week, members of the VC community are lamenting their role 
the other players play in the demise. I don't think we can blame the the uh, venture capitalists for getting in there. Here's something for Reuters: banking regulators shutter SVP collapse unnerves investors. Uh, California banking regulators on Friday moved to, uh, quickly to close startup-focused lender SVB Financial Group (SIVB.O), the largest bank failure since the financial crisis, a sudden collapse that prompted the global banking sector to shed billions in market value. The regulator appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation as receiver, putting the tech-heavy lender into receivership. As the first FDIC-insured institution to fail this year, the FDIC said the last FDIC-insured institution to close was Almina State Bank in Kansas on October 23rd. 2020. Looking at the FDIC for further information, FDIC creates a deposit insurance National Bank of Santa Clara to protect insured depositors of Silicon Valley Bank. What does this mean? It means they have to create another entity, a wrapper entity or a shell entity, if you will. It's kind of not the best way to describe it, but to encapsulate the risk of SVB, build a layer on top with the FDIC managing it so that allows them to manage those assets and manage the bank. Silicon Valley Bank, Santa Clara, California, was closed today by California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, which appointed FDIC as receiver. All insured depositors will have full access to their insured deposits no later than Monday morning, March 13, 2023. This is an announcement from the FDIC as of now, about uh, 5 p.m. Central Time on March 10, 2023. We'll continue to update as we go further. Let me continue reading. The FDIC will pay uninsured depositors an advanced dividend within the next week. Uninsured depositors will receive a receivership certificate for the remaining amount of their insured funds. If the FDIC sells the assets of Silicon Valley Bank, future dividend payments may be made to uninsured depositors. Silicon Valley Bank had 17 branches in California and Massachusetts. The main offices and all branches of Silicon Valley Bank will remain open on Monday, March 13, 2023. The DINB, which is the new entity wrapped around it, will maintain Silicon Valley's bank normal business hours. Banking activities will resume no later than Monday, March 13th, including online banking and other services. Official checks will continue to clear for the bank. As of December 31, 2022, Silicon Valley Bank had approximately $209 billion in total assets and about $175.4 billion in total deposits. At the time of the closing, the amount of deposits in excess of the insurance limits was undetermined. I can tell you that here in a moment. The amount of uninsured deposits will be determined once the FDIC obtains additional information. Customers with accounts in excess of 250000 should contact the FDIC where they get their certificate. Well, let's look at what percentage of deposits were more than 250000 This is uh, with information from S&P Global Market Intelligence as a source right down here at the bottom. I'm going to try and make this a little bit bigger so you guys can see it. And then we're going to scroll down. So as we scroll down here, here we go. As we scroll down to the bottom. There we go. Here's SBB Financial Group. And this is the percentage of uh, deposits uh, less than 250,000, only 2.7%. That means 97.3% deposits less than 250K as a percentage of total. That means that 97.3% of depositors will not fall completely within the FDIC's insurance scheme. Well, Rob, what does that mean? Well, let's let me walk you through the scenario to paint the picture for you of what's actually going on. As you guys remember on our weekly market wrap and on my channel at Gold Silver Pros, we talk a lot about fourth quarter results as an indicator for what the company is going to do this year in the first quarter and further what the Fed may do with interest rates. That's why we were watching it. And remember, as earnings reports were coming out, I said two things. One, two thirds of the early earnings reports from fourth quarter for the 500 largest companies in America, the S&P 500, made profit. So those companies made profit. That was good. And a third of the companies in the S&P 500 did not. 
But what was interesting is that that one third of companies earnings reports, which were negative, were so negative that they dragged the other two thirds down so that net net, even though the S&P in terms of numbers of profitable companies was high, the overall amount of loss was actually it was negative. So the one third that were losing money were losing it so bad that they had overwhelmed the profits of the other two thirds that made money. So now we're in negative territory. So what does that mean? For the 500 largest companies in quarter four of 2022, they lost money, they lost value and the tech sector got hit really hard. Remember all the layoff announcements, Amazon, Microsoft, all those guys. And then I went and looked online for some research and I found that fourth quarter or recently because of the fourth quarter, but recently this year, 288, I believe 280,000 um, jobs were lost in tech across the world. Two thirds of those were in the United States. So the United States had lost double the amount of tech workers that the rest of the world combined had laid off in the first quarter of this year. Let me restate that. The U.S. in and of itself, by itself, has laid off two times okay, the amount of tech workers that the rest of the world combined has so far this year. So the American tech sector is in much worse shape in terms of employment and profitability, we believe, than is the rest of the world. That's very big because tech is such a big sector. Now, what is Silicon Valley Bank? It is a bank that lent to what? Silicon Valley. What's in Silicon Valley? Technology and biotechnology firms, the tech sector. So we had an indication with the jobs reports that was something was going on in the tech sector. Silicon Valley Bank is a big bank with over 200 billion assets that serves that market. And now it's saying they needed money. Why? Because the companies uh, that supported that bank were going into trouble. It's a sign that they were going into trouble. Now, additional information on that. The issue here is that because 97, uh, over 97% of the depositors in SVP are more than 250,000, I'm, I'm hoping those depositors get their original 250000 back, plus anything over, they'll get a certificate. That's kind of what the FDIC was intimating. But given that so many of the bank's depositors were over 250000 that means the majority of that $200 billion in assets, the FDIC is somehow going to have to cover. At, well, in terms of the percentage of that that was customer deposits, there are obviously other assets on SVPs books. And, and we'll try to find that information and produce that as we go forward. So a big chunk of SBP's assets, which were customer deposits, um, are going to have to be insured by the FDIC, but they were also over the FDIC's self-imposed limited 250000 What does that mean? Well, according to the FDIC, all those depositors are going to get a certificate for value in the bank. The problem is if the bank is bankrupt, what value is that certificate? All the FDIC can do is to sell the assets of the bank and give those assets to the new shareholders to cover them. But if they went bankrupt, obviously you're not going to be able to cover them all because if you could, they wouldn't have gone bankrupt in the first place. So this looks like a huge mess. And this is the second largest bank failure in US history, the biggest since the financial crisis. A couple of points here. The two largest bank failures in American history have occurred within the last 13 years. Does that mean that we had not solved the, the problems uh, emanating from the last financial crisis. I think this is a good indicator. And this is something we have talked about many, many times over the years. We did not believe that in 2008, 2009, that the response from the government really had taken care of that situation. And I think we're seeing that with SVB and it's starting in the tech sector. Now, a couple of things that I've written uh, about over the last few years on Seeking Alpha and done on my channel in video format was talking about how overvalued the S&P was. And when we looked at historical ratios of price to earnings, meaning the price you pay for that stock versus what they earned, 
was so high that investors had been paying such a huge premium in the tech sector just to own that stock. It didn't make sense. We thought it had to come down. Well, that's what's happening in the tech sector. It's starting to come down. One of the major banks that service Silicon Valley and those, those tech companies has now gone to re receivership with the FDIC. And this is an indication the economy is not doing super well. We're going to continue to pay attention to this and see if this is contagion. If other banks or other financial institutions had money in SVP, or SVP had some sort of liability to other banks, it could cause an issue with other banks. In addition, if some of these companies, you know, uh, aren't able to get their money out and it starts a potential bankrupt run or a, a hardship on the companies that had deposits there because they're not able to get the money, it could affect those tech companies. Those tech companies may not have the ability to have funds to finance their business, and it could cause additional pressure on the tech sector and possibly additional pressure on the tech sector to go find alternate uh, sources of money. And this could potentially cause a contagion. We'll have to see what happens. Also, I'm interested to know how many creditors outside the tech sector had an interest in SVB and will this affect other sectors? I don't really know. We're gonna try to dive into that information, but this is so important. We want to do a special edition. This is so important. We want to do a special edition. This is pretty big. Second biggest bank failure in history. It's affecting the markets. The stock markets are down. Gold is going up. Bitcoin's going down. Bond rates are going up, which is not good because it means existing bondholders are now going to earn less because when interest rates on bonds go up, the face value goes down. Remember, those are opposite. And interest rates on bonds go down, the face value goes up. Well, right now, interest rates are going up because what risk? That means existing bondholders are losing money. And that's bondholders across the spectrum. So when this bank went down and affected the market and it's causing interest rates to rise on debt, that affects all debt holders and, and their the amount of uh, value they have left in that debt, whether it was SVB or anybody else, because that's affecting the entire market. Okay. So we're going to watch that and see if that spreads and that's contagion. I'm not sure if it's going to, we'll have to see what else is there. I expect over the weekend in between me recording this report and you guys seeing it, more will come out. And again, we will update that across the channel as we go along. We've already had a breaking special on our channel, Gold Silver Pros. We put it on Twitter, and now we wanted to put it here as well for you to have that information. Huge, 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 huge news, potentially. You guys may need to take a look at your risk in the banking system. I'm not telling you what to do, your financial advisor, but just look at that risk and make sure that you're not overexposed to that, that you have proper liquidity, and that you have some assets outside the banking system as well, in case you may be uh, a depositor, uh, or have assets owned by a bank, which could maybe in the future see potential problems, okay? That is a potential issue. Uh, so maybe just do a risk management exercise real quick on your assets, on your banks, and make sure that you guys are covered just to be on the safe side. It doesn't hurt to do this. It's not going to cost you anything but time, but it may give you an idea of where you stand should continue bank failures continue to occur. We'll continue to update you as this goes forward. Once again, Robert Keynes with Gold Silver Pros, March 10th, 2023, about 5 p.m. Central Time. We will see you when this airs Sunday and Monday, and we'll continue to cover this during the week. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for watching. We selected these videos just for you. Check them out. And remember, $4.99 a month keeps the lights on and the channel going. So join our Gold Silver Pro supporter membership. We appreciate your support. Keep stacking.